Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Tell us where you're coming to us from. From my fairy house, I'm in. Woo! Yeah. It's so bright and Um, beautiful in there. It looks so positive and peaceful. It really is. I went to bed last night and I was so comfy in my bed. And when I woke up this morning, I was so comfy in my bed. I forgot how big king size bed is. Yeah, that bed's amazing. Where was that bed before? That was in the main house and they, my sister got a new bed. So I painted this, did some sanding, did some mm-hmm. painting. But yeah, last night was the first night. It's great. I've set my wardrobe up. I've got a couple of little vignettes that make it comfortable. Bathroom's not finished. Kitchen hasn't been installed, but it still feels really good in here. It was a bit sad to leave my morning suite. Yeah, you spent a solid chunk of time in there going through the last... How long has it been since you've been in that room? Uh, yeah. Yeah. A year coming up Basically. this month. Yeah. Well, it served its purpose. Yeah. You know, that's why I kind of put myself back together with the help of my loved ones. Mm-hmm. So it was weird to, like, empty it out. Just felt a bit sad. Everyone felt sad. My sister mm. came in and she was like, I got so sad in her. She said, I felt more sad when I walked in here than I did when Harrison went to college. Because it just is such a, like, stark difference, but also emotionally it's, like, such a different thing. I think it's, like, the end of an era in the grieving for everyone. It's not because she loves me more than Harrison. It's because she, you know, because we all feel that it's, like, we're moving on, things are changing, and time is passing. And it's just a marker of that. Yes, Yeah, we are entering November, and it was this month that we lost Max and Ryan, and so coming up on a year here, and Mm -hmm. what what being in that room symbolized for all of you is now a letting go. Yeah. Yeah, it's mad. It's really mad. It's like, I don't know whether I'm allowed to feel happy sometimes. Well, we know that's part of the grieving process. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, I love my life. And I'm like, am I allowed to love my life? I don't know. And I know I am. And I know, you know, that's something that we've worked on a lot in the in the EMDR stuff is like letting go of, of that internal judgment. Yeah. Because everyone that has your best interests at heart just wants you to feel happy and, and live and move on and be as healthy and happy as you can be I'm the one that's going am I allowed to be happy am I allowed to feel these things is it okay for me to say I love my life and I love the person I've become it's interesting it is I got Um, quite a different viewpoint on it this week I just flew back in last night from being in Illinois with my family as you know and I was texting you during the trip saying that I was speaking to many of my cousins that I hadn't met before about grief and about our podcast. One of my cousins in particular lost her daughter to cancer a Mm. few years ago. Shoot. The girl was 32. Mm. My cousin 
who di- uh. who died, and they grieve. It's it, I don't want to say differently in different parts of the world, but how we are in Los Angeles, it shocked me to see the difference in how we just really? we don't speak about these things like they do in other parts of the world, and there. In a small town, well, in a small town in Illinois, I mean, it's very much more a part of life there. the The cemeteries are in the town, and they're headstones. In Cal, in Los Angeles, we don't have headstones really, except at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. But the cemeteries tend to be flat here; they look like golf courses, and it's just different living in a big city. You don't have these intimate conversations as much with people. Mm. So there. In the midst of a conversation, they will t- they will talk about everyone who's died and when they died, and we just don't have that here in Los Angeles in in our everyday conversations. It was kind of jarring for me, but the more time I spent, the more I understood it, and mm. I think that might be healthier. <laughs> I, oh I really God, do. Yeah, it's so much healthier. No, I think it's so much healthier. It makes me think about Ryan's family, and obviously, I know that my process will be so different from theirs because we're a different kind of family like in the sense that I was Ryan's chosen family and I was a new part of his family in his life well relatively speaking to them who are there's that blood bond and they've grown up together and it's their child it's their sibling it's a different grieving process yeah um and I think about that a lot but I guess I didn't really ever think about the cultural differences as far as that and I like to hear you say that because it makes me hope that you know maybe it's been healthier for them in some way and and better than I could imagine it being for them um yeah it's a very accepted part of life in speaking to these relatives of mine it's just common I mean my little 10 year old cousin was killed when he was sowing a field with horses one was mm. hit in the head with a swing at school. Chill. It was very common for families to have five, six, seven, ten, twelve children and lose a third of them to well. just whatever. And I think that was part of why they had such big families it was kind of like insurance in a way, because right. you kind of figured that you were going to lose part of your squad. Flop. <laughs> yeah. 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 And. And you needed people to help on the farm. I mean, you couldn't run a farm without all those hands. Yeah. yeah, you need the family because you need the infrastructure to run your life. It's it's not just about it's about survival, right? It's like, not it's about in the tr- vanity yeah. so much as it is in a My. city where yes, we're married and we'd like to have a child or we have two or whatever, simply because yeah. we want them, but not because it was necessary back then. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. So it's just always been a part of, just as much a part of life as anything. And you go and you visit your relatives at the cemetery on Sunday. And you spend time with them every week. Yeah. And then think about how, just even, not even that long ago, like you, when medicine wasn't as advanced and when, you know, we didn't have this kind of like sterile element to life it's like your mom or your sister or your brother or your husband or your wife whatever like died at home in your bed yeah you watched them die it wasn't it was very normal part of life for the family to stand around and watch somebody be taken exactly yeah whatever it is and it's like death was in your house it's not 
outside of your house. It's not outside of anything. No. And I think that that's, um, you know, more doable in a rural environment because of space. Yeah. Um, alone. But then there's all of the other cultural differences. So that's really interesting. Thank you for bringing that up because that's like really interesting to think about that. But the thing that was exactly the same, and this is what makes humans all the same, and this is what we talk about all the time, is that the ways in which we mourn are the same and the things that come mm. up. So I I shared with them about you. I talked about you a lot and about what our podcast has turned into since Ryan died, mm. how it's really blossomed into this beautiful journey that we weren't expecting, and all the things that come up, the shame the um, the guilt mm. am i supposed to be sad still how long how long is it until i can be happy again am i supposed mm. to admit that i'm happy or am i supposed to hide that that's very common and everybody i spoke to needed a lot of help in learning about those things and so they're all listening to the podcast now and mm. thanking me because these conversations as much as they talk about people dying in that part of the world, they don't speak about the feelings around it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a lot more hardy uh, culture. Yeah. A lot more conservative with their feelings, I would say. So it was a really interesting time yeah. I had talking about all that. Was it fascinating to go... I mean, you went to your grandparents' grave, you went to the house, you went, to, you know, you did all of that. That must have just been so, after you spent this time writing the book and preparing, you know, your TV show and everything, like, to then go and be in those places, was it, I mean, of course it was emotional, but was it strange, like, when you go to a set or something, was there a little bit of your mind that was going between, like, family and producer almost wait the whole time i was i said to my mom and will you guys have to indulge me because i'm going to be a director here i was taking a lot of footage i was thinking constantly the whole time between this family experience i was having and having my producer director writer hat on because it was a very important experience to go there after having mm. spent the last couple years creating this project about my family. Mm. I needed to go there and reconnect with it. And I learned a lot. There were a lot of missing details that won't, they won't change my project at all, but it just deepened it so much for me. Mm. And it was <laughs> very emotional to be at my grandparents' grave and at the, the farmhouse where the story yeah. takes place because I created this show as, as a love letter to my family, as a hug, mm -hmm. as a hug and a kiss and an embrace to my family. And they didn't have a, a very happy time. They had a really hard life, these people. And my mm -hmm. story gives them an ending that's different kind of from yeah. the way it turned out. And that was really important to me. And so I could feel that when I stood there in those places, I could yeah. feel them hugging me and I just talked to them a lot. And I just said, please guide me with this project and make it go to the right people. And, and it, it makes them live forever. It, it makes yeah. them immortal. And that's, 
I think why we are, all of us are obsessed with books and movies and stories is because that is immortality. That's the only thing that proves that we were here is the stories we tell about our own life yeah. and about each other. Other than that, we're just dust on the wind. Mm. So we have to grab it and, yeah. and hold it and make it immortal. And so, legacy. yeah, legacy. And, and I, I flew back last night and I went into the biggest pitch meeting of my life this morning and it was just mm. meant to be because it was perfect. <laughs> it was timing. It was perfect. I really think that that was all exactly as it should have been. So I'm really ramped up. I, I had such a deep experience on that trip. And the thing that I wanted to share with you the most is that I was sneaking into all these incredible abandoned places <laughs> and it was so exciting. Was like a, if anybody oh has seen God, my Instagram, I put on my Instagram that I snuck into this old hotel that's in the center of town. It's completely abandoned right now. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but how long has it been abandoned? I was wondering. It's been abandoned only recently, only since before COVID. And COVID just sent them down. They're probably hanging on by a thread. They were hanging was. on by a thread because I, I did massive research on their recent years and their customer reviews were just horrible. Like, oh God. it was falling apart. It was, it's this incredible hotel that's just like carpeted from ceiling to floor, tapestries, antiques everywhere. Very, it just looks like a manor house from 16th century England. Mm. And I used to stay there when I was little. And so now it's just sitting in the pitch black, just darkness. Wow. And I, it's the crazy thing is it's attached to a shopping mall. They built a shopping mall that goes straight no. up to the original entrance of this place is now in a food court in a shopping mall. And if you look at pictures from it way back in the day, it's like a hundred year old hotel. That original front is now in this food court. And oh my God, I went mental. all around it and found this side door that was open and forced my mom and Will to go inside with me. And it was the scariest setting you could ever imagine. <laughs> you said Will was livid with you. He hated my guts. Bless him. I saw the video footage later and on a shelf behind us were these books. Mm-hmm. So I went back in. <laughs> we went on mission rescue the books and we just went back in there and they're gorgeous. I brought three of them home with me. Nice, good. Because those will just end up in a fucking shit pile. They'll end up in landfill. Exactly. So it was amazing. So that's where I've been. How's your week uh, been? Well, my week has been literally only about getting in hair. That's what my week has been. So I've been, as you know, I've been like very unavailable <laughs> um, to everything and everyone. Um, so all, my mind has just been on this the whole time. Even when I'm laying in bed, I'm just like, okay, what do I have to do tomorrow? What do I have to get? Blah, blah, blah. You know, the whole thing. So, yeah. so that's been my week. Uh, I can't think of anything that could be more important or interesting than than this transition so it was a big um, one unless you want to hear about how i haven't been eating carbs this week because i've had a really bad stomach ache really all i've been does eating does that sound interesting i've been eating <laughs> nothing but carbs i'm about to explode 
Well, actually, that's not true. I've had some potatoes and some brown rice, but um, uh, that's a thrilling story for our bodies episode. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Ready? One, two, three, four. No, that's not it. Well, you added one, two, three, four, so I get to add something too. Not a different melody. Okay, okay, okay. That's destabilizing for everyone. Take two. Ready? Ready? It's not world news. It's not important news. It's it's Lucy and Annabelle I think what I'm realizing the problem is, is you're watching my mouth. It's the internet. There's a delay. And that's why we end up in this weird slow motion thing, which makes me feel like I'm having a I am. I'm lip reading you. Okay. Um, what do you got for us, Annabelle my- Jones? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just can't stop. I, I can't stop. I can't stop talking about the same news <laughs> different variants of it it's okay you have your audience your audience no it's so shit they know it's who the they are. only thing that is interesting to me in the news this week <laughs> what is it let's hear it's it it's fucking kardashians again i'm oh, so Jesus sorry Christ. oh my god i just can't get enough but i also you know, I'm just really not looking at the news that much this week. So obviously the only thing that's stuck in my mind is is my passion, the Kardashians. A program I don't even watch. I wonder if you're going to get this. Okay. Kim Kardashian has been seen out and about holding hands and going on dates with... I need to just go to your face here. Pete Davidson. I heard about this from my okay, sister. So, oh my God, you know who this is? Yes, I do. My, okay. My sister was appalled... Oh, why was she appalled? Um, oh, I don't want to say mean things about people. Uh, <laughs> just say it. <laughs> okay, it's my sister, not me, doesn't understand why all these women like him. I think that's why it keeps making the news. Exactly. Because everyone's like, what has this guy got? Probably a huge dick. And let's be honest, funny guys funny. are irresistible. I know. Completely irresistible. If I could tell you the number of guys that I fucked and or diddled as a result of them being funny, um, yeah, you wouldn't believe it. I know. Not they win every time. Men. Every time. Yeah. Every time. So there it is. There's the mystery solved. Yeah. One of my favorite guys I ever dated just literally purely was with him for the laughs he does not speak to me anymore so he's one of the only ones i haven't remained on a good terms with Mm. um i think it's because you know when someone likes you a bit more than you like them yeah yeah i think it was one of those not sexy not sexy i was in it for the laughs and i think he was in it for a bit more than that but anyway they've been out oh, just describes their outfits <laughs> you know boring stuff anyway the strange point, the looking couple why, i hope they don't have children they're not gonna last 
Here is my hot take on this, and it's really savage. You want to talk about not being mean about people. Yeah. Pete Pete Davidson has basically become like the cleanup crew. Wow. You know? He always has been. Yeah. He goes in there after they've had a breakup or a divorce or they've been out of the game for a while. And he makes them laugh. And he makes them laugh. He makes them feel good again. And then they fuck off with some guy that's a bit more traditionally sexy than he is. And my wish for Pete Davidson, really this is Pete Davidson news, is that he, first of all, gets some more sunshine because he looks a bit pasty, but he does live in New York, so it's not exactly his fault. But maybe go for a bit few more walks Mm -hmm. because he'll start feeling happier and healthier if he gets more vitamin D in the morning. And my second wish for him is that he finds a lady that sticks with him once, you know, the jokes aren't funny anymore. <laughs> all there is anymore. You know, like once we've got past the giggles and how good that makes her feel and, oh, love is great. Like the attention and, you know, the endorphins. Yeah. That there'll be a lady that sticks around with him after that. Because well, he maybe, seems like a nice chap. Maybe he there's not it. more than... Maybe that's all there is to him. So then I hope he finds a lady that just loves a good laugh. Me too. And he's rich, so it shouldn't be that hard. Not that hard. There's going to be some kind of dumb slut around somewhere that's yeah. just like... He doesn't... The problem is, is he doesn't want that. He likes yeah, extremely he, beautiful, complex women. Yeah, he does. So he's not, he's not exactly made it easy for himself. Anyway, that's my news. Team Pete. Big time. Team Pete. Well, you want to hear my news? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> my news is riveting, just as yours was. So the headline for my news is that a news. <laughs> oh, my. A New Zealand city is taking its official wizard off the payroll after two decades. So, oh my God, why would they do that to their wizard? So a place called Christchurch, New Zealand is parting ways with its official city wizard because he made offensive (laughs) remarks about women. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I'm Googling him. His name is Ian Brackenbury Channel is known as the Wizard of New Zealand and he's been on the city council's payroll since 1998, making <gasps> about $16,000 in New Zealand money. That's about $11,000 in U.S. To provide acts of wizardry and other wizard-like services as part of a promotional work for the city. <laughs> oh, oh my God, I fuck you too. <laughs> And I fucking love this guy. And have you seen the pictures of him when he was younger? No, but apparently he has his own website, which I'm definitely going to check out. Look at him. Oh, He's look fit. At there he is. Look at that. As a young man. Does he have an eye patch over wow. his glasses? So, his, um, so he's he's been there since the 90s. And some of the stuff he does in the city is like... Reviving the ancient art of rhetoric in the town square, he will be just spouting out ideas of famous philosophers. He oh. 
he's like a staple there, right? And why have they gotten rid of him? What's the, well, what's the reason? Because apparently he said, I love women. I forgive them all the time. I've never struck one yet. Never strike a woman because they bruise too easily is the first thing. And they'll tell the neighbors and their friends and then you're in big trouble. Now, let's not take that out of context. We're not sure what he was speaking about he when just, he made these he remarks. Just, is he just joking? <laughs> I am not sure. Um, but, you know, they couldn't be too too careful. And they said it was a tough decision, but they told him that, thank you so much, but his wizarding services are no longer needed. They deplatformed him. Yep. And he said, it makes no difference. I'm still going to keep going, and they'll have to kill me to stop me. Hell yeah. Listen, my problem with that story is that the point is is that he was saying is don't hit women. Exactly. I mean, that's the the bottom line. Regardless of the reason, if he's not hitting women because he doesn't want to get told on and and because they bruise too easily, that's good enough for me. As good a reason as any. The point is, is he's not doing it. Exactly. And that's the message he's promoting. So that's right. I don't know why he's been fired. I don't either. And you just can't keep, you cannot keep a wizard down. And I... Can't keep a good wizard down. And you really can't. And you know us. We're definitely going to have him on the podcast at some point. So we will find out the answers. Oh to- my God. You've just blown my fucking mind. All these questions. Listeners, you're welcome. I, you're so good at this stuff. I'm literally so shit at this stuff. I would never even think to be like, oh yeah, yeah, we can contact the Wizard of Christchurch and ask him on the pod. And do you know what? He'll probably fucking come on the pod. Oh yeah. It's because you're a producer. You know, you're like. Yeah, always got me a producer hat on. But what if him and like Abby Bella fell in love? Oh, I don't like that. I don't know. I don't like it. Well, because. What about the alien? And then are we entering into like polyamory and like yeah, we can't do anything you know. to mess up her wedding actually because I really want to go because we want to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Lucy! I loved that news so much, and I cannot wait to speak to the sexy wizard of Christchurch. Speaking of sexy wizards, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. Yeah. Do you know what I've realized is that you know last week when I played like Lacanet, Lorenet, or whatever. Lorena McKennet, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I just held it up to the microphone. <laughs> really effective way to put music in the pod. I know. I don't have to edit it in. No editing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, today's topic, you've been waiting, you've been asking, you've been YouTube's wanting. YouTube's going to cut this out. YouTube's going to cut this <laughs> It's time to talk about sex, baby, sex and love in no particular order. <laughs> and relationships because they count too. That's right. Relationships are part of it, I guess. Oh, Wow. YouTube's going to cut that out, but what we'll do is we'll just live with it. That would be so sad if after everything we've said, we ended up getting canceled for a copyright infringement. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, as promised, we're doing a sex, love, and relationships chat this week. That's right. We've already got halfway through the podcast, so this is going to be a two-hour long episode. <laughs> and just feel free to listen to it in sections if that's what you'd like to do. Yeah. Lucy, would you like to open the provided Google document? Yes, I would. It's already open here on my desktop because we are professional women. So the reason that we wanted to do this episode is because you and I have had a few chats about sex and you've said some things that I found quite interesting and kind of wanted to, to like probe you a bit more about. No pun intended. Exactly, yeah. From a completely like sadistic an analytical perspective you said some things about your feelings towards sex that really piqued my interest about mm-hmm. wanting to have a conversation with you specifically about it and for me sex has been love and sex and relationships have been on my mind a lot obviously grieving and then you know what comes next what's next what has been since blah 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 blah, blah all of that stuff um, I'm in just in such a different world now you're married you know we've both come into this new phase of our lives yeah with all of the experience under our belts and in our knickers from our single. (laughs) I would definitely call myself an expert in Oh, she's getting hot. She's taking the jack off. In all things. She's getting toasty. She needs a day. See, look, I've already got us sweating. I'm schwetzing. Are you ready to tuck the fuck in? I am ready to to tuck into this. Yeah, we asked our listeners questions this week didn't we we got some great stuff we did an ask us anything poll a few of them and you guys came back with some amazing questions comments and concerns yeah quite frankly let's talk about Um, it where should we start so let's just dig in let's dig in in. no particular order i'm not categorizing them we're just going in Keep in mind, we are not professionals here. We are simply chiming in with our own two cents. Very well put. We... Disclaimer. We don't know you personally. Nope. We don't know what's best for you. Nope. We are, we're not sex sexperts. Nope. We're just two dumb sluts with a microphone. That's right. So remember that. Yep. Lucy. Yes. I asked you to watch Goop. Love and sex. Yes, new, I had homework. The new program on Netflix. And for once, you actually, <laughs> I think, enjoyed the assignment. Well, because it was a topic that I love. And it was fascinating. I watched all six episodes. And I have a lot to say. I think that it's going to like be throughout some of the questions. It will. actually... The first question will actually bring us to that program. So here we go with listener questions. Okay. Any from one listener, obviously this is all anonymous because we're not trying to out any of you horny monsters. Horny. Any way to spice up a sexual relationship after 17 years of marriage when sex is always the same way? Okay. Wow. We'll take our best stab at this. It's something that they talked about a lot on the on that show, on the Gwyneth Paltrow Goop Love and Sex show. It's kind of geared specifically towards couples who have been together for a minute and are in phases of their sexual relationships where they aren't connecting, they've never had orgasms, they're bored, blah, 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 blah. 
And my first suggestion to you, my first prescription, Dr. Annabelle. Dr. Annabelle, Dr. Jones. Prescription is go on Netflix, love, and yeah. bloody well watch Love, Sex, and Goop, or whatever it's called, because we don't really need to answer the question. They've given you every tip and answer you could ever want on that program. Exactly. They do a little bit of role play. They do like these exercises to help you get intimacy going. And it's all laid out for you there. I would say the things from the show that like I most kind of thought, wow, that's powerful. That's really interesting. Was the eyes closed kind of touching getting to like re-exploring each other's bodies, um, tapping into like thinking really, what do I like? Do I like massage? Do I like my hair being brushed? Do I love my earlobes being massaged? All of that shit seems so small, but it can like completely, seems to like really reignite the fires, the horny fires below. Yeah, it's really important. And They talked in the program about erotic blueprints, which is similar to love languages, which many of us have heard of. People give and receive love in different ways, and people exist erotically in different ways. And again, Mm. like Annabelle said, watch the show. It'll tell you everything you need to know. But that's what stuck out to me was when you're working with a partner, just like anything in the world... You have to learn about something to understand it and to be good at it. And that takes letting go of the ego, being willing to admit that you don't know all the answers, which is hard for a lot of people sexually, and learn about yourself first before you focus on the partner. And and doing that work together, I think, is a great thing of learning about yourselves and then communicating, having the courage to say it and speak about it. Could you touch me here? I like it when you do this. Right. Could we try this? I've been thinking about this. What do you think? Yeah, or I don't like this. I learned so much from that program about how we keep ourselves in discomfort to make other people comfortable. Mm. And having the courage to say, I'm no longer... I don't need to appease others at the cost of my own comfort. And that Mm. goes straight into sex. These things were imprinted on us from a really young age and they're ancestral. Like the show says, they spend time talking about how traits are passed down through our generations of families. Mm. And that can really impact the way you are sexually as, Mm. as a being. And it's unraveling that, doing that personal work for yourself that allows you to arrive at a partner and start to discover things together. So the more you learn and are honest with yourself about what you like, what you don't like, then you know how to communicate that to a partner who hopefully Mm -hmm. is a safe place for you to have those conversations so that you guys can explore it together. And I loved how they kept saying that we take sex way too seriously that it's, yeah. it's how adults play and you should never want to stop playing just because you're an older person does not mean that you've lost your desire to play. Mm. Mm, and feel good and have fun. And have pleasure, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I think that what you seem to have really, like what struck you and you and I were talking just now 
before we started recording was like you said it I really or something along the lines of like I really realized how much you kind of need to get to know yourself and be clear about what your preferences and needs and tastes are before you can properly connect with a partner and then immediately that made me think about my favorite question which is something that people say a lot that I kind of would love to know what you think about which is you can't be loved by anyone until you love love yourself so you cannot be loved until you love yourself what what do you think about that i think it has to do with accepting love i know for myself in the past when i wasn't loving myself i would not allow love because i didn't think i deserved it and i wasn't going mm. to i was too uncomfortable with it it was in mm. a lot of ways it manifested for me physically where i would disassociate and keep myself very isolated by covering up my body mm. acting very hard and callous and not feminine and soft not sexual at all i would never make eye contact with a man because i didn't want anything from them because I was not allowing myself to have love because I didn't love myself. So the more that right. that loosened up for me and I, and I started to not only think about these things, but actually make the changes, actually yep. change the way I started to dress, change the way I presented myself, take better care of myself because it has to be in our actions, right? The more mm. that I put into action deciding that I was ready to love myself and accept love from others. What do you think about the, the I love what you just you said. And I can totally understand that. I think the thing that you said about even dressing and, you know, taking care of yourself differently is so powerful because not just in the context of love, for me... Even if I'm just going to be at home all day on my own, I never stay in pajamas. I never don't pull my hair back or brush my hair or put my earrings in or even like wash my face and put my lip balm on because it sends a message to me when I look in the mirror like, oh, I, I took care of myself today, even if it's a basic thing. Sometimes I will literally change from one tracksuit in, that I've slept in into another one just because the action of that and the way I look at myself in the mirror, seeing myself changed this morning you know even if I don't shower it's like I still took care of myself yes because you there love are yourself days, I don't I don't know if it's because I love myself well it has to be I, it's just because I would do that for for somebody else if I was taking care of somebody else that's what I would encourage them to do so I do it for myself um, I would encourage you to do the same. I would encourage anyone I love to do that. So then I... Well, there you go. You just me. answered it. Right. So you are someone <laughs> that you love. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's it. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't love myself. I just... I find it hard to connect the two. Or use the word love, maybe. It's because I care about myself. Mm -hmm. And I value myself. Value, right. I'm not sure that it's... Yeah, I mean, it's all... Like, know, a love thing. Different you know? ways um, to say it. I struggle with the concept of you can't 
be loved until you love yourself. I think that not loving yourself doesn't deem you unlovable. Mm. I think that it can make love harder. I think that it can mean that the person that loves you has more work to do. I think it means that you are in a position where you need more care, all of those things. I just find it hard to kind of buy into the concept of I'm not lovable until I love myself. Well, that's I think true. That, I think it's kind of like a damning notion and a little bit toxic, I think. I don't know. I think it's a little bit toxic. I know exactly what you're saying. I think it's really important what you just said. It creates this impossible thing that we can never fully achieve because there's never going to come a day where we go, I love myself a thousand percent. That's it. I made it. I did it. I figured it out. No, never, never. And now I can be loved. Now I can be loved. I believed that for a really long time, which I think is also why I pushed love away because I believed that lie that you have to love yourself before you can be loved. What I did was I created a lot of work for the people around me. Yeah. <laughs> but we're never going to get to that place where it's completely there for us. It's it's a challenge mm-hmm. every day to love ourselves all day long. We are a work in progress and you can absolutely have fulfilled loving relationships along that journey. So I'm, when you're working on when you're working your on relationship it. with yourself and I think that's the thing is that just wallowing in self-loathing and misery and all of those things yeah of course that's going to make a relationship really hard and unhealthy and dysfunctional and actually if you're in that headspace probably don't put somebody through that if you're refusing to grow and change and seek help and help yourself but I think if you're working on it, that's for me always. I can put up with so much from a person, so much, if I see them trying. If you're trying, I don't care if you fuck up every day. I just want to know that you're trying. You know, yeah. friends, lovers, whatever. I'm glad we debunked that because it is about willingness, isn't it? Mm. It's not about, mm-hmm. oh, I got it. I figured it out. It's, it's I am yeah. willing to show up and treat myself with respect today. Mm-hmm. And then you can accept that from others easier, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> easier. And I think the right relationship can take you to levels of loving and knowing yourself. Teaching you about love, self-love and so a relationship. Healthily. Yeah. I look at you and Will. I mean, I've seen that with you and Will. You've part of your softening and all of that kind of thing is like, you know, he's he's old-fashioned he likes to get the chair for you and the door and all of those things and that has softened you and it's making you more of the person that you want to be yeah and that is as a as a result of that relationship you couldn't do that before no there's certain work that you can't do alone and I'm not somebody that thinks that a relationship is necessary in a person's life. I think no. it's a great exercise of learning if you want to commit to that, but I don't believe that humans are built to pair up like that emotionally. Uh, mm. I think it's a very challenging thing to be in a relationship because it is a learning experience and you are forced to look at yourself every day and deal with it's a mirror is what it is, mm. but not necessary. No. No, you can not, not abs- necessary. You can get those things from a friend can teach you similar. Lessons. Exactly. The point is, is that your friendship, your love relationship, your paternal, maternal, whatever it is, 
can teach you those things regardless of whether you love yourself or not is kind of my point. I um, like that. I mean, at the beginning of the conversation, I thought, yeah, you have to love yourself to receive love. Uh, but now my mind has changed. So thank you for that. <laughs> I see exactly what you're saying. It's really helpful to debunk that for ourselves. Interesting. One. So as to your question about how to keep the spark alive, definitely go watch the goop thing, but explore yourself, explore your partner and let yourself play. Have fun. Keep that curiosity. Curiosity is what keeps us young. Mm, definitely. All right. Next question. I fucking love this question. The question is, do you believe people with significantly different beliefs can work in a relationship? Whoa. Love it. Do you have an answer for that? Yeah. What is what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think it absolutely can work. I think that in the world that we're living in right now, where every everything is so charged and it's like if you believe that um okay, just for an example, if you don't want to get the vaccine, you're a Trump supporter. Mm -hmm. We live in this world of absolutes. You know, if yep. you believe that abortion should be legal, you're not a conservative. How can you be Christian if you do yoga? You're a Satan worshiper. You know, it's like, we live in this world of just absolutes. Like, I went to a bar a few weeks ago and a guy literally within like the first five minutes, I said something and he was like, so you're a conservative then? It was like he had... To, to know what box. I was immediately. Like we couldn't proceed with the game of pool until he knew whether I was on his side or if I was against him. First of all, neither, regardless of my political beliefs, I will be neither against or for you because I truly believe we're, we live in a society, a community, and our differences make us better and should make us function well as a society. I don't need to be against you if I don't agree with you. But mm -hmm. early in my relationship, Ryan and I, with Ryan, I really struggled with him because he came from a really, really conservative background, super religious background. We started dating while they were, well, Hillary and Trump were starting to campaign like at the beginning of all of that and we would get into the most blazing rows about liberalism and conservatism I would say things to him and he'd be like that's absolutely not true like he would go crazy and then he would go look it up and realize that it was true and you know one of the themes of my relationship with Ryan was this peeling back of all of these things that he thought were real, but were just total like conservative or re religious rhetoric that had been drilled into him throughout his life. And the same for me with my liberalism. I was very like, I'm with her. <laughs> Feminism. You know, like... I was very, very uh, woke in a really like unhealthy and dysfunctional way. And he was the opposite. And what we ended up doing was leveling each other out. 
and through conversation. But at the beginning, I really felt like it was going to break our relationship. I didn't know how we could proceed. And I literally went online and Googled this exact thing. Can you be in a loving relationship and have it last when you have, when one of you is a conservative and one of you is a liberal? And of course, because of the time we were living in, there were so many articles, so many think pieces, so many videos about it, about people who were married or in a relationship and all of a sudden they find out their husband's a Trump supporter or they find out that their formerly conservative husband or wife is now a Hillary supporter Mm -hmm. and it's like destroying their lives. But there are a lot of helpful like roadmaps of how you can move through that. And at the end of the day, the thing that every single person who moved through the situationship Situationship. Situationship. I like that. That's a real thing, which we'll get to. That's amazing. Who moved through the relationship and the time that we were in politically. What it all came down to was empathy. And the thing that I took away from everything I read, and specifically this one article, was a black woman who was a liberal, whose husband was a white man and had now become conservative, a Trump supporter. And the way that they solved the problem was by asking before they reacted, before things got heated, before the conversation proceeded, inside themselves, why does my husband feel this way? And you work backwards from there. Why is he saying this about abortion? Why is he saying... And as soon as I started to do that with Ryan... I no longer became emotional. I no longer became overwhelmed. I no longer didn't know how to move forward. We kept having roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And as soon as I worked back, I was able to ask him questions with empathy and true curiosity that were not leading, that were not, I wasn't condemning him. I wasn't, they weren't trick questions. They weren't value judgments. And all of a sudden, our whole lives changed because I approached it with empathy And so did he. And we would think to ourselves, why does Annabelle feel this way? Why does Ryan feel this way? And work backwards from there and ask our questions from there. Yeah. And that was a game changer for me, not just with my relationship, my loving relationship, but with every relationship in my life became so much easier as a result of that. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't just go into like, draw, like straight from the, you know, belt like that. It was a profoundly valuable, difficult experience with him at the beginning, but very valuable because it's made me the person I am today. And I think it's made me a better person, a more thoughtful, uh, loving, empathetic person, being in a relationship with somebody whose beliefs are completely different than me. What would your take on it be? It's the same in my relationship. Will and I have really different views on a lot of things. And I like something we said recently where you don't have to to accept 100% of a person to love mm-hmm. them and to yeah. be close with them. The empathy is the key, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Why do you Mm -hmm. feel this way? Let's talk about it. You and I always try to do that on the podcast. That's why we have these conversations. We want to talk about it. Let's understand each other instead of just trying to prove that one side is right. 
And although I may disagree with him on some things, he's always got amazing points mm-hmm. that are based There's on a lot to learn. Yeah, that are based on like the research he's done or the way he was brought up, and they're always valid. There's never anything. And I think you'll find that if you really try to communicate with people about where they're coming from, you can hopefully get to the bottom at least of where they are coming from. And then you can say, well, I don't agree with you, but I love you. I respect you. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a stranger, I respect yeah. you. And we can agree to disagree. And we both learn so, something, hopefully. Exactly. Exactly. I think you can become a much more well-rounded, better person. So I guess to to tie that up in a bow, I would say don't react and condemn or condone a statement that brings, you know, brings the energy up in you where you're like, that's wrong or I'm offended or, you know, I disagree or, you know, that's ridiculous. Take a beat and don't make a judgment on it and ask yourself, why does my friend or my partner or my mother feel this way? Hmm. I'm curious, you know. And it's okay. It's okay to have your own beliefs and your own boundaries and not to waver just to give in because somebody else disagrees with you. I think that's important to be able to stand your ground and say, this is how I feel. And it's okay that we don't feel the same, but I don't need to change my views on it just because you say so. Exactly. Lovely old expression, which I wish people would use more. Let's agree to disagree. Exactly. Very useful. (laughs) All right, next question. Do people still like to have phone sex or do people just FaceTime and sex now? Do you think it depends on age, generation? I find the sound of a lover's voice in your ear adds a level of intimacy across the miles that is so much sexier than FaceTime or texting. One listener wrote in. Wow. Well, I absolutely agree. If, you do? Tell me why. Yeah, because when I'm when I'm on FaceTime, I've got the visual. And that's one thing. But every time I'm on the phone with, I'll use Will for this, that's my partner. When I'm mm-hmm. on the phone with him, it jolts an electricity through my body. Because when the visual is gone and that audio is there, his voice pops for me and Mm -hmm. I can hear it whereas before with the visual I'm not really listening I find so when I get I'm watching I'm I'm immersed in the experience so I prefer phone and maybe that is a generational thing I didn't grow up with FaceTime I grew up with phone I don't know if that I don't I couldn't say if that's part of it but to me phone is so much more powerful than a FaceTime sexy session I'd much rather have his voice on the phone. What do you think, Annabelle? You're going to love this. <laughs> so I did a listener poll this morning about this question. Okay. And I'm just looking at the results now. And most people prefer FaceTime and sexting in huh. the poll. Yeah. Uh 68% of people wow. in our poll prefer... Did anybody say why? Time is sexting. No, I didn't ask why. I just said a yes or no. But what... Do you want to know what's interesting? What? 
every single person that prefers phone sex is a woman. Really? Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me, actually. It does. Men are very visual. Yes. Very, very visual. And it makes a lot of sense to me. So I would say more than generation, I think it could be down to the sexes. Male, female thing. Interesting. Great question. Wow. And which do I prefer? Um, yeah, which do you prefer? I like all of them. Yeah. <laughs> all of the above. Really? Yeah. <laughs> love all of them. I love a cheeky sext. Actually. Oh, I love, of course. I love a cheeky sext. Yes. Because you can be anywhere. For me, it's thrilling being in, li- being in the line at the coffee shop and getting a filthy text message. Oh, me too. I'm just like, wow, cream my jeans centrally. I know. I'll have, I'll have a cappuccino. <laughs> Extra foam. Extra foam. <laughs> Two sugars, baby. Oh um, <laughs> okay, next question. All right. This one's a heavy one, you guys. Just warning you. Okay. My friend is in an abusive relationship. She has been dating this guy for a little less than a year. Three months in, he buys her a puppy and moves her into his apartment. He is super stupid rich and holds money over her head all the time. He's constantly threatening to break up with her. He says she's not allowed to hang out with any of her friends from before they were dating because they're bad influences from her quote-unquote single days. He also won't let any of her friends or family over to the apartment. She has absolutely no idea that this is an abusive power dynamic and is in a state of constant anxiety trying to please him. She has completely isolated herself And he has made her a Bumble BFF account so he can pick out new friends for her that he approves of. The tricky part is that she isn't even the one sharing what he does or says. I hear everything from our other friend who is allowed to hang out with her. I have been in a high control relationship before and I know that if I were to ever say anything to her, she would probably cut me off. I feel really stuck in what to do. I love my friend and she comes from a family with an abusive father so of course she's vulnerable. I feel so stuck. Wow. Well, what a good friend to care so much to go into such detail to get these answers. Yeah, having been in a high control relationship recently and escaped from it, I know what it's like to be on the inside, to be that girl who's with that guy. Mine wasn't romantic, but I'll tell you, when you are in that high control dynamic with someone you won't you won't see you will not see it until you're ready and unfortunately as the friend here I think you must step away from her and let her take this journey wherever it's gonna go you will kill yourself trying to save this person Mm. it's not just about her cutting you off it's actually it will derail you It's much deeper than her just cutting you off or getting angry at you. She is so brainwashed right now that she just doesn't know which way is up. And she won't be able to hear it, in my opinion. I don't think she would. So I know the helplessness of feeling like you don't know what to do. And that's a devastating place to live. And it will start to harm you the longer you allow yourself to stay in that. So... As much as you love her, you're going to have to love her from afar for the time being. That's our responsibility to ourselves first. You cannot save someone else. You must save and help and take care of yourself 
with boundaries. And that's what I believe, in my opinion, this is going to require from you as the friend right now. Great, great advice. I agree with you completely. I think Do you have anything to add? Yeah, I think that I was in a relationship that was manipulative and abusive and I was completely blind to it. Yeah. My family came to me and a friend came to me and said to me that they thought that I was in an abusive relationship. Minded too. And I, I thought they had cracked. Me too. I was like, you bitches are fucking crazy. Yeah. I was so brainwashed and it really put a big barrier between me and those people when actually what would have really been helpful is to, like you said, love from afar, be a good friend, support, and keep your relationship with that person separate from their relationship with their loved, with their lover, their partner, whatever yeah. it is. I think what is really, really helpful is to encourage your friendship with them. Focus on that. Do not focus on that man. I like Put how you say, energy. Annabelle, you talk about, because we've had this conversation before. We've had it in the Red Flags episode, and we've also talked about narcissists, which is what this man is. Yeah. Uh, apparently. I mean, that term gets thrown around, and I'm not saying it coming from a clinical standpoint at all. I'm just saying he is showing signs of what narcissism presents itself as. But you say that when you've had conversations with friends who are in this type of thing, that you just ask them how they're doing and you allow mm -hmm. them the space, the safe place to open up to you on their terms with what they feel comfortable with. Yep. That's all you can do. Completely. I think when you chat to your friend, you know, ask her, how's work? How's this? How's that? How's, how are things with, I don't know what the guy's name is, Michael. Mm-hmm. And just Nigel. Remember we had Nigel. Nigel. <laughs> you know, and just let her chat and say, you know, thank you so much for sharing with me. You know, I love hearing about your life and your relationship and I'm always here for you. Mm -hmm. You know, just really supportive, open things that you can sort of pepper into different conversations that you have to reinforce that you are there, you are open because she will remember that when she starts to come to exactly. from this haze yeah. that she's in. The worst thing you can do is make them feel judged because then they'll clam up to you. And when there is that moment where they feel like they need to talk to somebody, they're going to feel judged by you and they're not going to reach out. But if you've always been loving, open, soft, gentle landing space for them, they are going to feel like they can reach out to you first. Mm -hmm. And I think our job as a friend is not to tell our friends off and tell them what to do it's to let them know that you will always be there right or wrong to pick up the pieces if that's the level of friendship that you have you know obviously there are limits to this okay would mm -hmm. murder incest rape of course there are some there are some uh, boundaries here but generally if they're just doing regular fuck up shit i think just that's my how i see my role as a friend is I'm never going to say I told you so. I'm just going to be there to pick the pieces up with you at the end. Exactly. Loving someone from afar does not mean you have to cut them off. It just means no. putting in those 
boundaries and guidelines to where you're not sacrificing yourself to be a friend. Exactly. Got to put your own oxygen mask on first, as they say. Exactly. All right. Next question. Would either of us be in a polyamorous relationship? No. (laughs) No and no. (laughs) I have never met somebody in a polyamorous relationship that I consider to be functional or healthy. As a person, relationship aside, I just have seen, and I'm sorry if this is like such a rude uh, thing to say, but I... I just never have. I've never met a single person. I've met met and experienced many people are in this. And all of them have come from traumatic situations. I was just going to say the friends that I have that are polyamorous, each of them without fail is in a state of working through intense trauma. I think it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. Listen, you've been through a really traumatizing divorce. You know what you don't want to do? Ever have a breakup. Yeah. (laughs) You never want anyone to leave you. You never want any any confrontation in that realm. No, and if you can just kind of glide from vibe to vibe, great. You've got your one solid person you've been with for 10, 15 years, and you can have your little side ting. Yeah, you know, great. It, it works for people. And then the other people I've met are basically either traumatized or sex addicts. By no means am I saying every polyamorous person is a traumatized sex addict. No. I'm just saying I'm yet to experience somebody that isn't one of the above. I think that for me, I am very kind of old school and... You know, I've been married and I loved being married. And when you're married, you take a vow to one person. Unless you have a different kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And that's your person that you are doing life with. Okay. And for me, I want to put that person before anyone else. And I want to be put before anyone else. And if you are in a relationship with somebody and you feel like they can go off at any point with like Jimmy, their boyfriend who lives in the next town over who they're also in love with. Yeah. You're kind of interchangeable, aren't you? How are you making plans? But maybe these aren't people who are built for making plans or future. Like how are you having a mortgage or kids or how are you renting an apartment or how are you having a pet or how are you, how are you, Choosing, like, where to spend your holiday money that year if you've got, like... Like, I want to know that if I want to go on vacation that year and I want to go to Mexico or the Bahamas or fucking Berlin, that my boyfriend or my husband or my man or whoever I'm with... Is going to make that a priority on, with you. Exactly, he's on the same page and isn't like, do you know what, I'd rather go to um, Australia with, with Jenny. We <laughs> made a plan. Like, fuck you. No. I understand... The safety it makes you feel, Mm. I describe as a kid when I experienced pain and abandonment that I made this decision that I was never going to, like, cause a problem in my life. I was always just going to go with the flow, and that's how I was going to avoid pain. Well, while I didn't 
go into being polyamorous in my love life, I understand that you think that the solution is taking away all boundaries so that you're just free floating so that you'll never bump into any jagged edge. You'll never slam into a wall. You'll just be wow. like a jellyfish kind of. And, and I, this is not a judgment at all. I'm saying I understand. And that can come out in many ways for a person. For me, it came out in people pleasing. It came out in giving myself away more than I should have mm. until I debunked that for myself and broke that spell and, and, and said, that's not helpful to me anymore. <laughs> but I see mm. how that could lead you to thinking this way. Mm. And different things work for different people. We all have a different capacity of what we're willing to confront emotionally, of what we're willing to give, right? What we're willing to yeah. accept. And so for some people... Not being a priority with someone does work for the way that it's they better. like to flow yeah. in and out. They don't want the commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very that interesting. absolutely would not work for me. Me neither. I can't think Hard of no. anything, anything that's less appealing to me than that. Hard no. Okay. <laughs> right. Next question. All right. Do you believe in soulmates? Wow. She's really having a think about this one. I, yes, I believe in the concept, but I don't think we know what soulmates actually means. I think it's outside our realm of understanding. So I don't personally believe that there's like one soulmate that you arrive at. I think a soulmate can come in many forms throughout your life in many different relationships. What do you think about soulmates? Um, yeah, I definitely believe in soulmates. I think they come in different forms, as you, as you said. I definitely yeah. have friends that I are, are soulmates. Me too. To me, a soulmate is somebody that you have a soul connection with. And there's a very big difference between a bond, a friendship, a best friendship, and a soul connection. Uh, I think if you haven't felt it, it's, it's not something that I can describe particularly um that's what i mean a, yeah like it's outside it's, our realm yeah, of understanding it but you know when it, it happens yeah absolutely i think that our souls make contracts i think on where we go as what for how long with who and i think some souls are attached to each other for thousands of years i think some souls are twin flames but should never meet i would like to write a book called soulmates and how to avoid them it was a book i thought was already a book but it's not so i'm gonna write it great title isn't it that's made that one up myself that's very funny (laughs) i've had good soulmates and i've had i've had twin flame soulmates and i've had bad soulmates i think that you know one of my past relationships the, the abusive one was like you know earth shattering enduring love from childhood childhood sweethearts all the way on there was never a lack of chemistry there was never a lack of romance there was never a lack of love and that made me feel that I needed to be in it and endure really bad negative experiences and behaviors uh, because we had this deep soul connection okay well so what so Mm -hmm. what it feels like planets are colliding 
it, 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 for me, my, my soulmate conditions are that I can exist with you as a soulmate and a friend or a loving relationship if we are like orbiting each other and the energy is wild and great and it's, we're being fueled by it and it's a connection. And we are in each other's orbit, you know, we can't pull away. I love that. That's positive. But when you're fucking colliding and shit's exploding and it's, and it's not fireworks, functional, that's another type of soulmate. And I think that that's negative. So I think that soulmates are real. They can be good and bad. I think they can be love relationship soulmates, love friendship soulmates. I think you can be soulmates with a mother or a father or, you know, sibling um i think it starts long before we are even born our souls are on a journey and have lived many lives but that's because that's my views on like reincarnation blah, blah, blah. but so for me that's that's where i stand on the soulmate thing and i have had many soulmates in my life not many but you know enough to know the difference between that and just a good relationship or good friendship yeah i absolutely believe in soulmates because I believe there are no coincidences mm. and I believe in reincarnation and mm. I think our souls are on cycles together that exist mm. outside of the realm of time. And we come here in many different forms to help each other get lessons. And mm. anyone that you come in close contact like that with is a soulmate. You are a mm. soulmate of mine, Annabelle. I know that mm. I can feel it. I felt it mm. from the beginning. There are other people that you don't connect with. And I believe that's why just like a child is drawn to you or kind of cries when someone comes in the room, maybe laughs when someone comes in the room, an animal reacts differently to different people. Energy is very real and we are constantly reacting to the energy around us and affecting those around us. Mm. And that all has to do, I think with soul connections. I think it's a big misunderstanding that soulmates means that you have to be together for your whole life. Like you said, just Mm -hmm. because the planets were colliding and it was incredible fireworks did not mean that that was a relationship that belonged in your life long term. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's right. You can come into contact with a soulmate for 30 seconds and that's the only time you're ever going to interact with them in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. But it needed to happen because there are karmic cycles happening that we could never even dream of. And we're all a part of that cycle. I'm reading a book right now and there's a great quote. Can I read it to you? Yeah, please do. So I'm reading a book right now called Circe mm-hmm. by Matt Madeline Miller. And it's about Greek mythology. And this goddess has been alive for thousands of years already. And she falls in love with a mortal mm-hmm. and he dies. But looking mm-hmm. back on the relationship, she says about him, I had no right to claim him. I knew it. But in a solitary life, there are rare moments when another soul dips near yours as stars once a year brush the earth. Such a constellation was he to me. Wow, that's so beautiful. I thought it was so perfect for what happens when you, con- when you come in contact with a soulmate. There are rare moments when another soul dips near yours. Mm. And you can feel it. You can just feel it. So also, I think it's a misunderstanding that it's an easy relationship. Like you said, a lot of times it's a very tough relationship and there is a lot there to be worked through because you came to help each other and that's what it takes. So 
that was Ryan and me. Ryan and my relationship wasn't this like easy, like we fought for our relationship through across the sea, through different backgrounds, through different religious beliefs, through different economic backgrounds, through different like philosophies on life, through different religions, like everything because we couldn't it was like no this this is we are meant to do this together yeah you can feel it and we didn't know what it was but it was like no we're not he would joke he'd say i'm never gonna divorce you and i'd say i'm never gonna divorce you he said i don't care how much you hate me i'm never gonna divorce you i'm like yeah i know bitch i know you're never gonna (laughs) divorce me you know it was like that kind of thing it's like no 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 we are in this until the end that was the vibe between us and yeah and I think that now looking back on it, it just makes it feel even crazier, the whole thing to me, because it's it was so much in such a short amount of time. We did so much. We lived so much life. We lived more than some people live in a whole lifetime. And I think it's because we were meant to do that with each other. I think that's a that might be a good point about a soulmate connection, because when you come in contact with someone and you get that feeling, it's like you're immediately on a fast track, isn't it? You and I felt it. We felt like we were catching up. Like we had been uh, separated our whole lives and now we're catching up and Mm -hmm. we don't even need to say things because that connection is there and you can feel that it's been in place for a long time. Mm -hmm. It also puts you on the fast track with lessons back and forth and it's a very deep thing. I can look back on my life and count on one hand the soulmate connections I feel that I've had so far. Yeah. Yeah, same. So I, mean, I think I can, it's very real. I can, just speaking from like friendship points of view, like yourself, Layla, Camilla, were that instant thing of like, whoa. like Reco- this is, It's a recognition. This is like forever. And... I think also, okay, now this is like a little out there. I think that the story can change. And I think your soul's path and your soul's journey can change depending on what level you get to during your time here. I I have felt my path. I can't exactly explain it to you. But things I knew about myself, I could feel destiny in the last year since the experience I've had of losing those two. Soulmates. Those were my soulmates. It, my journey's changed. My soul's journey has changed. My purpose has changed. I can feel it. So what you're describing is described in the book that I've talked about before called The Instruction, where it teaches you how to find out where your soul is in terms of old or young soul. And it describes, because this is a asked question, can we graduate to a new soul level in a lifetime or do we wait until we're between lifetimes and they say you absolutely might at some point experience the shift during a physical during lifetime, a lifetime yeah because of things that take you on a different track that you were not on before mm-hmm. and you just described that exactly mm-hmm. if anybody cares to read that book it's it's it, it is a described thing 
it's very rare. I've had an experience with that girl that I lived with at Weldon, whereby I could feel our souls connected. But I feel that she wasn't ready to lead with soul. Oh, I love that. Lead with soul. And that experience that you described earlier of hardening yourself, she's in that place. But for her, the hardening comes in a different way. It's a persona that is slipped on like a dress. Yeah. And her veil looks soft and silky and flowy, but it is rock solid when you try and touch it. Yes. So you can get close and you can touch it and it's just silk is about to brush your hand and then you find that it's, it's rock solid and you cannot go past that. Her pain is preventing her from living in and leading with soul. She is not ready to move past her pain and trauma. That's what happens. That's why we got to we got to we got to do the work. We got to ask these questions and introspect so that we can lead with soul because the pain will stop you and it will stunt your soul's journey and it will make you if you believe in reincarnation, it causes you to come back many more times than you would if you just get the lesson. And that becomes confusing because at the same time that I say, I don't believe in coincidence, mm. that leaves everything to chance. And that yeah. is confusing. But I've been told by spirit that there is no such thing as coincidence. So it's outside our realm of understanding. Mm. That's all I can say. I don't think yeah. we're meant to understand it. I don't think we humanly can. Wild. The reason I bring that up is because it's just it was wild to have a, a experience with somebody where I could feel our souls were like going boop and then like dancing around each other and like trying to connect and they couldn't. And it just isn't meant for this life, I think. Right. It's like you'll get each other the next time around. Next time around, yeah. I, and I honestly believe that we will. Um, That's how I feel with my dad. I feel like yeah, <laughs> it was I, a valiant... I, it was a valiant try this time around and we just can't get it. So I'll see you next time. <laughs> I think you and your dad, I think you and your dad have been on this for a minute. Oh, I do too. Yeah. So that's the uh, little wow. bit of soul chat for you. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be talking about sex today. Let's uh... Love, sex and relationships, Lucy. I know. Listen, I'm only joking because all of this is a very important part of sex. This is the foundation mm. upon which sex is built. Yeah, it really yeah. is. And the Goop TV program will tell you that, too, because they did an entire episode on family lineage, on ancestral traits yeah. that are passed down and how that <laughs> gets in the way of our sex life. What did you think about that episode? I was just watching it the whole time with my mouth open, like, what the fuck am I watching right now? I completely identified with it. I took like 10 pages of notes. It helped really? me so much. That was the episode that the most I was just like... My really? Yeah, that hit me the hardest. Like they say that in order to understand ourselves, you have to look back into the shadows of your ancestors and connect the dots. 
And just for instance, it, I was like sitting there with a tear running down my face because they were saying that something that your great, great grandmother had done could be affecting the way that you are today. And you have no idea because you don't know where these traits have come from. Mm. And it made me realize that my, my grandmother, uh, was very ill with, uh, cancer and Mm -hmm. she helped herself along to dying. Let's Mm. just say as she was going to make this decision for herself and take herself out, my grandfather and other members of the family tried to have a conversation with her about it. And she said, no, nope, no conversation. This is it. This is what I'm doing. It's done, done. Mm. And no one could say anything to her about it. And I get like that. I have that trait. And when they were exploring that in that episode, I went, oh, my God. Mm. These things are passed down and they are in our way. They, and on that particular topic, they're in our way of a happy sex life, of functioning at our highest potential. And sex is part mm. of that. And so, sorry, there's no shortcuts. There's no easy answers. We have to look at these things to be wholehearted and, and be sexy time. <laughs> Be sexy time. Hello, welcome to be sexy. Hello, I'll be sexy time. And what would you like to do? Who would think that looking at something that that your grandmother did that's that's not fun to think about? Who knew that that is impacting the way you are in bed? All these things make us who we are, and. I got a lot out of that episode to answer. No, your I love that you did because that was one where I was just like, "Huh?" Hmm. It's a big concept. Big. It's a lot to um, think about. I was just watching it, just thinking like, I was just imagining like giving a blowjob on something and just like being like, "Grandma, get out of here." <laughs> I mean. That's why they say when you're in bed with someone, you're in bed with their parents, your parents, their oh grandparents, Lord, your grandparents. No, thank you. Because it's true. And the more we free ourselves up from all that stuff, the freer we are to play and be the sexual beings that we're meant to be and embrace all of it. Oy vey. Shall I ask another question? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is kind of on the same topic. It says, this question says, I don't know how to ask this, but do you have any advice on sex and sexuality during loss and grief? Annabelle, you've touched on that a lot. (sighs) Okay. Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, Okay, so early in my experience... A man emailed me who I had known for many years. He was married to another man I'd known for many years who died very quickly of cancer. And within a year, he had a boyfriend. And, you know, I knew the girl that was living with them. And she was just like, they are just at it like rabbits. It's nonstop. There was a lot of judgment about how quickly he moved on. And I remember at the time thinking somewhere between, oh yeah, that's quite fast. And also good for him. Like, what's he going to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
he sent me an email out of nowhere and he said to me, you know, I'm sorry for your loss and everything. And then he said to me, I think the reason I was able to heal as quickly as I did is because I did what felt good and I didn't do what didn't. So if something doesn't feel good, don't do it again. And if it feels good, do it again and again until it feels good. Mm -hmm. So I want to start by saying that because that was such simple yet profound advice to me. And I very much took it to heart, not just with sex and relationships, but with everything during the grief process. People respond to grief very differently. Sometimes people completely shut down their bodies and minds and hearts during grief. And sometimes people become like crazy, crazy horny. When I lost my dad, my, I lost my sex drive completely. I went cold, numb, not interested. And it took a long time for me to feel interested in sex again. When I lost Ryan, I was hornier than ever. So mm. I've had, I could never understand why, because I've known people who've lost their parents and one of my friends lost her mum and she was so horny while she was grieving. She was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know if it's normal, blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't relate to it because I've had the completely the opposite experience. But now I've had both. It's, a, it's really strange to have had both experiences. And I think what I would say is, what my friend said to me is if it feels good, do it. And if it doesn't, don't. Sex for me has been a medicine during this time. And the first sex that I had after this huge loss was the first time I felt that I could breathe, was the first time that my body relaxed, was the first time that I felt human in the wake of the crash and in losing Ryan and Max. So for me, in the last year, sex has been very positive. And I continued to have sex with that person until it didn't feel positive anymore. And then I found somebody else to have sex with. <laughs> Someone else who felt positive. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I would say you'll know. You can feel yeah. whether you're there and in your body and it's feeling good and it's helping you. I think when you're grieving and in pain and you're managing so many emotions and so many physical symptoms that are that come along with grief, sex can be a lot. Um, I believe the person that asked this question is female. When you're a woman and you're having sex, generally, something is entering your body, whether it's a penis or whether it's a sex toy or whether it's somebody's hands. Physically being penetrated is a very intense experience. Take every other emotion outside of it. There have been times where I've had nothing going on emotionally and penetration has been emotionally overwhelming for me. Mm -hmm. So I think that just be really sensitive to what feels good to your body. And if intimacy or penetration or any of those things is feeling too much, but you still want to have sex, then find what feels good. Maybe just touching feels good. Maybe just kissing feels good. Maybe just sexting feels good. You know, whatever it is, whatever feels good, keep doing it. And whatever doesn't feel good, don't do it. 
Um, I do think you have to be really, really as far as love goes. And I think part of the question is not just about sex, but sexuality. Right. Okay. So that's been a big one for me is I, this is the first time I've openly said, yes, I have been having sex since Ryan died. To anyone outside of like you, my sister, my mom, whatever. Hmm. And obviously the people I've had sex with who are aware <laughs> and consenting to the sex that we've had. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is new for you. <laughs> Fucking hell. Old Harvey Weinstein over here. Um, <laughs> um, no, it's just a joke, everyone. Get your fucking pussies on straight it's just a joke um so what was i saying yeah it's just the sexuality thing has been a big one i have found it so difficult first of all after the crash i didn't want to wear anything tight i didn't want to wear anything that showed my body or i used to wear my little shorts my little crop tops boobies out blah 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 blah, blah, blah. i like looking sexy i like wearing makeup all of that shut down after the crash Mm -hmm. i was just like no, we're going into mourning. I'm not showing anything. A man looking at me frightened me. It made mm-hmm. me made my heart race. It made my skin crawl. It made me feel ashamed of myself. Mm-hmm. I felt wrong for being attractive to somebody else because I felt like it was some kind of betrayal. So there is all that very interesting body stuff and, and sexuality and self-image stuff. And... I just allowed myself the time to unfold. And if that had taken two years, it would have taken two years. You know, now I'm, I wore, went to a bar the other night, I wore a leather bra and a jacket. That was my outfit. You know, it's like, but I couldn't a year ago, you know, or less than a year, just now coming up to a year since the crash now, but even six months ago, not on the, not on the cards. So you just have to follow what feels right to you. There have been days I've been like, okay, today I'm going to wear a t-shirt that goes down and I just couldn't do it. So don't force yourself to do anything. Don't force yourself to feel any type of way. Um, And don't judge yourself. I've judged myself so much over the last year, you guys. I cannot even tell you. I've judged myself for being horny. I've judged myself for looking nice. I've judged myself for wanting to find love. I've judged myself for going on dates. I've judged myself for everything because I felt like there's this appropriate amount of time I'm meant to wait to show and prove that I loved Ryan and that I love Ryan. And guess what? We all know I love Ryan. We all know how much I loved Ryan and always will. You know, I will always be married to Ryan forever. And that might be strange if I marry again. I don't know. I can't imagine ever taking my ring off. I just think you have to just feel it out and give yourself the time that you need. Don't judge yourself. I just wish I hadn't judged myself so much. I've put so much pressure and shame and I felt like I've been lying. I felt like I've been dishonest. It's very hard for me not to be open. You know me, I'm no filter. I say everything. Yeah. So to have spent the year having to have this secret life where I'm a nun has felt very 
disingenuous. I think yeah. everyone knows who I am. I think everyone knows that I've been fucking and sucking, you know, like, <laughs> like it's just, I've just felt like I haven't been able to be myself. Yeah, you have to play it, a part. That I've had to play a part and that a big part in me being even able to have this conversation with you, Lucy, is that in the EMDR, we talked about this, EDMR, whatever the fucking therapy is that I've been doing, we talked about this and how... The biggest judge judger of me has been me. Anyone that loves me and knows me and anyone that loves you and knows you is going to think, good for you. You do what makes you feel good and makes you feel happy and healthy and take care of yourself. I'm happy for you. Anyone who doesn't feel that way can fuck off out your life. But the biggest, biggest troller of, of me is me. Mm. So... You know, that's been hard to, to shut that voice up. And what the therapist said to me was, the worst thing someone could say to you, Annabelle, about having sex or being sexual or dressing the way you want or being in a new relationship, the worst thing they can say to you is that you didn't love Ryan. Who is ever going to say that? Nobody that knew us. Right. And that just eliminated so much pressure I had on myself because it's not something anyone could say. It's not true. I could laugh in the face of anyone who would say that. And I don't know if this person's lost their partner. I don't, I don't know if they, what, who they've lost, but having fun, feeling joy, laughing, smiling, being sexual, being in your body, experimenting, joy, having joy doesn't mean that you're not grieving and it doesn't mean that you don't love the person that you've lost. And that's all I have to say about that. Perfect. Hope that helps, listener. One of the reasons that you and I started talking about doing this episode in the first place is because I thought to myself, you know, I think everyone that in society feels that there's this there's this pressure on all of us, like that we're like, whoa, everybody's having such great sex. Whoa, Lucy and Will are shagging every night, and I'm not doing anything. So maybe right. there's something wrong with me. And it's like, right. do you know what? I think most people are having pretty mediocre sex. Yeah. I think it. I think most people are having most of the time mediocre sex. We've all had those relationships where it's like, bloody fucking hell shagging like this an episode of Bridgerton you know like off the charts in the kitchen on the stairs in the garden can't get enough yeah we've all had those moments but that's not really sustainable I think in general maybe it is I don't know not it's not an experience no it's not really realistic is it and I think most sex is just kind of like all right I think so. And I think people are afraid to admit it because we're all looking at each other going, oh, I bet they have amazing sex or we see it depicted Mm -hmm. in the media. Look, the bottom line, I think, is just to stop comparing ourselves to others and Mm -hmm. any vision of what we think we're supposed to be in every way that's all across the board. But definitely with sex, I think a lot of people have mediocre sex and they don't know what to do about it. They don't even want to admit it to their partner. Or themselves. I think or themselves. the last thing you want to admit is like, 
Yeah, do you know what? When it comes to shagging, I'm just like decidedly middle of the road. You know, my penis is average. My vagina's fine, I guess. It's all right. I've got one tit up here, one tit down here. You know, I think as well, there's all of that kind of... Every time you watch TV and there's somebody having sex, the woman is going... I don't... I don't know if you've ever naturally really done that during sex. Well, they also talked about that in Goop, didn't they? How we learn from pornos and we see these women who are going, ah, 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 you know, or yeah. whatever it is. And it's just too much to live up to because she's playing a role. She's not mm. being authentic. And so mm. what are we doing? Why are we basing our entire authentic selves and lives on something that's not <laughs> real? It's a depiction of it's of a depiction what was once real and anything that we see in movies, television and porn as well, but even just what most of us are observing on a day-to-day basis is like even the fucking on like Netflix on a regular show I would say is generally unless I'm making a point that it's shit sex a lot more porn, like porno, like the huffing and puffing and panting and yeah, baby, you like that? Like all of that shit, you know, it's like, yeah, a lot more uh, magnified than what would be a real life experience. So here we are, all are thinking that it's meant to be like that. And we're robbing ourselves of what it could be. Exactly. Like what is the noise you actually feel to make? What is, how does this really feel if I'm not zooming out of myself fucking disassociating and thinking okay is my back arch correctly right you know is my cellulite showing is my hair falling correctly like is he looking at my thighs that aren't exactly perfect yeah okay feeling attacked by that comment lucy as you know that's a sensitive (laughs) subject but no i'm kidding um i think that's one of the things that has been a gift in grief for sex with sex and me is that i have not had the energy to be totally honest with you, to be anywhere other than in my body. I don't, I can't muster uh, a zoom out. And I also have had many times where I'm like, nothing shaved, nothing's taken care of. And before I would have been beside myself about that. I would have been feeling so insecure, so uptight. Don't look at my body. Don't look at my legs. Don't look at my pussy. Nothing's right. You know, like this isn't how I want it to be. And I haven't had any of that because I haven't Mm. had the energy and it's completely set me free from feeling those requirements are there, which I think has been a huge gift. So I think that's an unpopular opinion on sex that we both share. Is that most people are just having like normal, pretty mediocre sex. Just convincing themselves that it's incredible. But there are solutions for this, ladies and gents. You can learn, you can study, you can ask, you can communicate. It's very fixable. Very fixable to step it up a notch. It so is. Yeah, it is. So there's so many great questions. Let's end with a last one each. And who knows? We'll talk about this again. I'm going to ask you. Okay. A spicy question for a spicy Ooh. lady. What is the maximum age difference you feel is acceptable? Ooh. <laughs> uh, well, I have gone in both directions on the scale of age difference. I will say 
I don't think you can blanket that. It really depends on the individual. And it, I think, comes down to expectations at different ages. You have to look at where someone is in their life. If you're going to be with a much older man, there's certain things that much older men want and need and respond to. If you are with someone much younger than you, they're in a different place in their lives. And I don't think age matters is the bottom line is what I want to say about it. Will is a decade younger than me and he's the most mature man that I've ever been with. Mm. And I've been with men in their sixties that are act like teenagers. So, Oh my God. (laughs) I, I can't say that a certain age presents certain things. It really depends on the individual. And, and I think just be really clear with yourself about what you're expecting out of the situation. And then you can enjoy whatever situation you're in. Do you think that, so I've got a few people in my life who have a big age gap in their relationship. My auntie and uncle have a pretty sizable age gap. He is in his 70s. She is, he's deep into his 70s. She is... 60 and that's at the point for me where I think the whole rest of the life I'm like age gap whatever who cares that's at the point for me where it gets dicey for the younger person because now you are with somebody that is oh as an old person and you are not that yet and I've watched my auntie, who is still quite young. I also think this is very different for men and women. That's yeah, I think very, I think very, very. I think it's easier for the woman to be older than it is for the man to be older. Just hmm. unpopular opinion, maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. sexist. I think women are nurturing. In general, you guys don't like have a freak shit about this. Like, <laughs> we're, we're more nurturing. We take care of things, blah, 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 the whole thing. I think it's easier... For women to, for women to like fuss around well into her 70s. Men slow down, they sit, they put their slippers on, they're, you know, reading their paper, whatever. I think even in their 70s, all of the women I know in their 70s are still getting up, putting their little lipstick on, get their hair together, blah, 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 blah. I think you can still be like a bit more attractive and desirable as a woman in your 70s than maybe a man. I think men don't men don't live as long, do they? No, not for the most part, they don't. So I think they age quicker in general hmm. than women, like in spirit. Yeah. Once it gets to like the sixties and seventies, I think the men get older really quickly all of a sudden. Whereas hmm. the women, I think, around me, I've seen stay more youthful. My uncle is you know, he's, he's dying. He's much older. He's got, um, Alzheimer's and here's my auntie. Who's still pretty vivacious. That's hard. I know. That's why I mean, you have to know what you want and you have to know where they're at. So someone in their later in their life, they're going to be dealing with health issues. Yeah. Someone and 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 children come into this. If we're talking about a committed relationship, you got to be honest with yourself. Do I want children with this person? Okay. Well, if they are much younger than you, for instance, like I am a woman where I'm at, and Will is where he's at. We're in different 
places with children. I, I'm thinking about that. I'm a woman. We think about that when we get around our 20s and 30s. We, we feel that clock ticking. Men don't have that. They have mm. women, children into their 70s. Women can't do that. So as long as you're honest with yourself, if you're if you're with someone and you're expecting something from them that they can't give at the age that they're at, then you need to take a look at that and think about it before you get involved. If you just mm. want to have a good time, then have a good time. But when it gets deeper than that and you're going to be around each other for the coming years, there's a lot of differences. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've been with lots of men who are older. And when I look back on it now, the men I was with in my 20s who were older than me, I just think, what were they bloody thinking? Well, men start to freak out, don't they, that they're getting old. And so that's why they go to the extreme of being, you know, getting with a woman in her early 20s or something like that, because they're afraid of where they're going. And, and I understand that. And that's not a blanket either. I'm sure women do the same thing. I think age gaps are fabulous. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, like you said, you just have to um, know what you're getting into and what you yeah. signed up for. And there are conversations that would naturally, in a same age relationship, come later that you have to have a lot sooner. Yes. And I think there's those kind of logistical things of like, okay, I'm further on in my life. I don't want to do silly buggers anymore. I'm ready to do X, Y, and Z. And it's really important that you have those conversations up front so that you know you and your partner are on the same thing. Like, it are is. you ready to wipe my ass when I'm 77 right. and you're 60 years old? Yeah, is that and I guess that okay with? That can kind of fast track it to becoming serious sooner oh because God, you have totally. to have those conversations. Yeah. But like you said with Ryan and with a partner where you are – opposite in your beliefs i think that being opposite like in different places with age also presents a really fun yeah. like challenge for it you brings a lot to, to the table it does yeah it really does so okay i have a question for you oh, okay. um someone wants to know how can you tell the difference between infatuation and love oh <laughs> well, I think when you're young, you can't, for a start. You can. I don't... But, <laughs> yeah. When you're in your 20s... You're yeah. in love with everybody. Every... Not possible. <laughs> God, that is a great question. Do you think that can be answered? No. <laughs> no, actually, that's not true. That's not true. I can. As an older person now, I feel I can, I can tell the difference between infatuation and love. Because I've had so many little situationships that have been infatuation I've been like it's love it's love it's love it's love, it's love. Yes. and then it's not exactly no, yeah and I can I definitely feel the difference with time you learn what are the little lights that go off when you're infatuated and what are the lights that go off when you're in love and I honestly exactly. believe dear listener that it's one of those things that just comes with time a little bit of experience yeah. I'm not saying you have to be an old bitch like me but you get a couple of relationships under your belt, you you start to be able to tell the difference. But you have to listen and watch yeah. and yes. learn. If you're not paying attention and you're not tuned in to your experience and your emotions and your needs and your wants and desires, you're not going to learn anything. You're not going to exactly. see the signals. And I think that's kind of the theme with like every question that's come through is stay tuned in, listen, learn 
observe and ask yourself, what does this feel like? Does this feel good? Am I happy? Is this person making me happy? Mm -hmm. Am I making them happy? I think that's kind of a general blanket answer for like every single question. It really is. And relationships. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. We solved it. We did it. (laughs) There will be much more on this. I'm sure. Keep the questions coming. Now that you guys all know I've been shagging, Jesus Christ. I'm proud of you for, I'm proud of you, Annabelle. I, I, I know you waited until it felt right to say that and, and good for you. Anyone who loves you wants the best for you, whatever that looks like. And yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, baby. Yeah. We love you all. We will continue this conversation. In the meantime, go have some fun. Get out there. And diddle <laughs> and fiddle. And then tell us about it. <laughs> and then <laughs> send us messages, cheeky messages in the DMs. I prefer sex. Lucy likes phone calls. Sex so leave her own voice note. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much. We love it when you engage with us and tell us what's going on with you. We love doing polls. We love learning more about you. We love talking about all this stuff and learning. That's why we're here. That is why we're here every week. Literally, that is why we're here. We love yeah. to chat. We love to learn. We love to learn about you and life. Yes, we do. Love you. Love you. Sex with me so amazing. All this all work, no vacation. Stay up off my Instagram, your temptation. Hit a switch on a fake nigga like a station.